0: In honor of David Hume's birthday, I wanted to share Hume casually destroying skeptical theism in the beginning of part eleven of Dialogues Concerning Natural Religion. This is from the character Philo. Quote Did I show you a house or palace where there was not one apartment convenient or agreeable? Where the windows, doors, fires, passages, stairs, and the whole economy of the building were the source of noise, confusion, fatigue, darkness, and the extremes of heat and cold you would certainly blame the contrivance without any further examination. The architect would in vain display his subtlety and prove to you that if this door or that window were altered, greater ills would ensue. What he says may be strictly true. The alteration of one particular, while the other parts of the building remain, may only augment the inconveniences. But still you would assert in general that if the architect had had skill and good intentions, He might have formed such a plan of the whole, and might have adjusted the parts in such a manner, as would have remedied all or most of these inconveniences. His ignorance, or even your own ignorance of such a plan, will never convince you of the impossibility of it. If you find any inconveniences and deformities in the building, you will always, without entering into any detail, condemn the architect. So why does this answer skeptical theism so effectively? First, we have to take a step back and explain William Rowe's Evidential Argument from Evil. Premise 1 What's called the empirical premise There exist instances of intense suffering which an omnipotent, omniscient being could have prevented without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. Premise 2 what's called the theological premise, an omniscient, holy good being would prevent the occurrence of any intense suffering it could, unless it could not do so without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. Conclusion There does not exist an omnipotent, omniscient, holy good being. To the extent that there are rational grounds for accepting the first and second premises, there are rational grounds for accepting the conclusion that God does not exist. Skeptical theists push back against the first premise, the empirical premise, that gratuitous suffering exists. Remember, gratuitous suffering doesn't mean really bad suffering. According to Rowe, an instance of suffering is gratuitous if an omnipotent, omniscient being could have prevented it without losing some greater good or permitting some evil that was equally bad or worse. Skeptical theists question how we actually know any such suffering exists. It sure seems like gratuitous suffering exists, but there's often a distinction between appearance and reality. Because of our epistemic limitations, we might be unable to discern God's morally sufficient reasons for permitting or creating the world's apparently gratuitous evil. God can see the great causal web of reality and can see the interconnectedness of life's events in a way that humans and our position of limited knowledge and wisdom, we'll never comprehend. If we could, maybe we would see that there's no suffering which, in Roe's words, an omnipotent, omniscient being could have prevented, without losing some greater good, or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. And this is where Hume's analogy of the architect comes in. Since I can't put it better than Philo did, I'll repeat Hume's single paragraph once more. Did I show you a house or palace where there was not one apartment convenient or agreeable, where the windows, doors, fires, passages, stairs, and the whole economy of the building were the source of noise, confusion, fatigue, darkness, and the extremes of heat and cold? You would certainly blame the contrivance without any further examination. The architect would in vain display his subtlety and prove to you that if this door or that window were altered, greater ills would ensue. What he says may be strictly true, the alteration of one particular while the other parts of the building remain may only augment the inconveniences. But still you would assert in general that if the architect had had skill and good intentions, he might have formed such a plan of the whole, and might have adjusted the parts in such a manner as would have remedied all or most of these inconveniences. His ignorance or even your own ignorance of such a plan will never convince you of the impossibility of it. If you find any inconveniences and deformities in the building, you will always, without entering into any detail, condemn the architect." Quote. We would rightly condemn the architect, and all the more if the designer could do anything logically possible. I've got a full episode almost ready about David Hume's answer to the argument from design. That should be out soon. So until then, happy birthday, David Hume. I've been Emerson Green, and I'll talk to you next time.